Hey. Oh. <clears throat> okay, hello. Yeah, it's eight or eight in the morning here. Uh, <laughs> quite an unusual time for you. Usually it's nine, but... Yeah, in Germany it doesn't matter. It's in the afternoon, but in the US I can imagine. So you've got up early, I suppose. Yeah, and, and get bed to almost two, so... Okay, hello. Hey there. Oh, I might have to move. Well, I guess it'll do. It's a little challenging in this room. Um, hmm. All right, I am going to pause the. All right. Shall we begin with a prayer? Of course. <laughs> yes. We take a breath of love and gratitude. So grateful. So thankful to open our hearts and open our minds to the power and the presence of love. So grateful and so thankful to allow ourselves to know without a doubt that we are the love of God and that we are gathering together for the holy purpose of remembering our true identity we partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self for the purpose of this remembrance, this activation of our loving heart and mind. So grateful and so thankful to leave the past behind, <coughs> excuse me, to open ourselves to an unprecedented, unlimited flow of divine good. Oh. We open ourselves to this time of healing, of clearing expansion. Yes, clearing the throat chakra, <clears throat> clearing the heart chakra, clearing, clearing, clearing. We are grateful. <coughs> mm. To open ourselves right here and right now to the higher Holy Spirit self. So grateful to allow ourselves this time of expansion and healing. So grateful to dedicate ourselves to our awakening, this revelation of truth. In gratitude, we share the benefits of our healing and expansion, our clarity and our freedom with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Yes. Oh, so I'm happy to join you from Thailand. I'm in Chiang Mai. It's nice to be here. It's, uh, it's quite lovely, actually. Very, very lovely. And uh, I'm going to invite everyone to say hello, knowing that many people who listen to the recording will be listening 
uh, on audio and not see the video. So if people would just like to say hello. Hi, it's Carla in Portland. Hi, this is Lydia from Belgium. Hi, this is Lars from Germany. Beautiful. So, so glad to, to have us all together. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I know it's a little bit earlier than usual for you, Carla, but thanks for making the effort. We're all in different countries. We are. All four of us are in different countries. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's very true. Ah, so, one thing I would like to, uh, well, I have a number of things to, to bring up. Um, so, one thing is focusing here on our ascension pathway. Uh, I had a beautiful experience on the plane. I wrote a blog about it the other day. Uh, so uh, I was on a plane from New York to Shanghai, and that flight was about 15 hours, something like that. So a very long flight. And um, I was seated in a row that next to four women who each had a little baby on their lap. So uh, that's the ideal, of course, when you're going to be on a plane for 15 hours, you want to be in the section where the little babies are. because. <clears throat> You know, you want to be able to hold the prayer vigil with them so that they have a nice, easy, quiet flight. And so their moms have lots of support. And um, because crying babies can upset and irritate a lot of people, and it just ripples right throughout the plane, right? When you have sc screaming, crying babies. And, and you do often on flights because um, their ears have issues on flights, you know, and... Uh, it can be very painful for them, and uh, not all parents know how to deal with that, you know, that uh, you need to give them a bottle so that they're sucking, 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 so that they're popping their ears, you know. Um, so uh, it used to be, as I said in my blog the other day, it used to be that when I was on a plane and a baby would start to scream and cry, I would think, oh, shut that baby up. For God's sakes, make that baby stop. And um, I just had no compassion or patience for it when I was younger. But now when I'm on a plane and the babies are crying, um, sometimes I don't even notice uh, for a little while. Uh, but uh, what I do is I will ask the angels to help the baby, help the parents, and that there's peace. And so I particularly felt it keenly because I was sitting next to four little babies. <laughs> and uh, it seemed like uh, one of them was crying uh, a fair amount of the time, uh, at least would start to cry. And so just as, um, uh, as my practice is, when the baby would start to cry, I would go within and I would just think, I would call the angels to support. And then I would think, peace, peace be still. And I would think it in, in my mind, I would see, peace be still, 
uh, laid onto the surface of the still lake. And then peace be still rippling out through the field. You know, that our field is that still lake. And it's rippling and rippling and rippling. And uh, so I would just practice that and see the peace rippling in my mind out to enfold the mothers and their children. And uh, it's so such a tangible way to experience the power of the mind because the babies would just so quickly start to get quiet and then get quiet and then they're quiet. And it's just being joined in that one mind, uh, asking the angels to help and knowing that I am not helpless, I am powerful, that we are of one mind, and that my mind is the mind of the baby, it's the mind of the mother, and that I can hold that space for them. And so for me, part of my growing edge in practice is to always be able to do that for anyone in my field who's like a crying baby, right? Anyone, even if it's my dad right, or my stepmother, or someone who, who's older than me, right? Uh, so it doesn't matter whether I know them or not. It doesn't matter if I'm connected to them or not. If I see someone who is in distress, I can ask the angels to help. I can broadcast peace that I don't ever have to put up with anything, and I also am not helpless at all. Uh, my mind is the mind of God. How could I ever be helpless or disempowered? It's not even possible, only if I believe it. And so for me, this is part of what we must be, we must be willing to live and practice if we truly are interested in becoming the ascended masters that we're destined to be. It's about really taking responsibility for what's going on in our environment and for being that place of broadcasting the peace. I remember when I first started to be a facilitator in classes at Agape and uh, was a facilitator in training. And uh, I, I had this intention that I wanted to be able to be so peaceful and so loving that I could walk into a room of angry people and the crowd would come to peace without me having to say anything, just by my presence. And not as an ego thing at all, but as this is, this is what we all can do. And this, is, this is what I'm interested in, is being this kind of a beneficial presence in the world. And so more and more I'm aware of the call for my soul to be completely undisturbable. And I, I'm not quite there yet, but one of the things I have learned to practice is that when I find I am disturbed, not to think less of myself and not to get discouraged, because I used to get discouraged. And so one of the things I feel would be very helpful for us to speak about today is when we get discouraged. When we get discouraged, what happens? 
And what's that dynamic about and how to eliminate it? So would love to hear from anyone in the group who feels that sometimes they get discouraged. Anybody who feels that sometimes they get discouraged? All right, so two people do. Um, so I wonder, Lars, you raised your hand first. Would you be willing to speak about that at all? Yeah, I often get discouraged in my work when I have to deal with a lot of pupils who don't want, uh, okay, it's an interpretation, but who seem uh, not to be willing to learn and who are disturbing other pupils and are crying and doing strange things. And I sometimes feel I cannot do anything about it. I would like uh, them to stop because I would like to teach the other pupils and help them learn the things and the others uh, don't want to learn. This is my interpretation in the moment, I know. But then I often feel discouraged because I don't know in the situation what to do. Okay, so let's, I appreciate that. That's really helpful, Lars. So let's see if we can just understand the situation a little bit more. So I, I, I think you, you gave a, a good description of it, but just to, to describe it a little bit more, if you can give a little more detail, an example of what kind of thing happens that, where you get triggered into discouragement. I mean, for example, in Latin lessons, and when I explain a grammatical structure or so, there are some pupils who are really intent on learning, who are really listening to me, who are asking questions and who seem to appreciate that I'm explaining it to them. But there are others who doesn't, who are not, who doesn't seem to, don't seem to be interested at all, who are talking and trying to uh, get the attention of other pupils sitting there. So um, it's easy, it's, it's difficult for me to explain some things when there are always uh, pupils talking in the background. And so I cannot concentrate and the others who really want to learn something uh, cannot concentrate either. And this is a situation where I feel sometimes very discouraged, especially when I have to deal with uh, large groups of pupils. Yeah. And by large, how many people in that group? 30, for example. 30. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes when I'm leading a retreat or a workshop, people will start talking in the midst of me talking. They'll just turn to their neighbor and start talking. It happens. Hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm waiting to get their attention, and they just keep talking and talking as though they don't have any recognition that the entire group is waiting for them to mm. finish. And to the point where sometimes I have to say, I I'd like to continue. Can we bring our attention back here? And of course, it's a, it's a very different setting. But it, so I can just say that I'm, I'm relating to you <laughs> that um, it's, it's pretty hard to teach the group who are interested when the people are talking at the same time that you would like to be mm. speaking. So um, you go to discouragement sometimes when this happens. Do you always go to discouragement when it happens? 
not always. I've learned from my spiritual practice to let go of the situation very easily. I mean, some years ago, it was really strenuous for me. There are some classes, for example, I was extremely discouraged. I didn't know what to do. And so I didn't invest anything in them at all. But now I am praying for them in the moment. And I feel that, okay, the situation is discouraging, but I can, after five minutes or so, I don't feel so much discouragement because then the situation changes and I give another, or I give them work to do, for example, and then it gets quieter, for example, or somebody says something very nice and the situation shifts. I mean, it's different now, but there are some groups which are really difficult for me still. Mm-hmm. But I can let go of this discouragement more easily. So I don't feel discouraged for the whole day, only for after the lessons, only for 10 or 15 minutes, and then it's gone. This is, mm-hmm. also this, this is what I've learned. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel discouraged when, the whole week or so. This is yes. very important for me. Yeah, that's a big shift. That's a really big shift. So when you're having that feeling of being discouraged, what are the thoughts that you're thinking? Yeah, like I'm a bad teacher. I cannot discipline them. Uh, I should try to be harder to them. I should punish them. And then another voice comes up. Punishment is from the ego. It's not good to uh, control and manipulate them. It's... Uh, I don't want this to do. And this is a self-talk which is always coming up. Because whenever mm-hmm. I talk to colleagues about it, they say, okay, you must be very hard. You must give them bad marks and things like that. But that's not what I want to do. So this is the discouragement. So I don't really know what to do in the situation. I want to be always a loving presence and do the best I can. But sometimes there's a big, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's very difficult in the situation when I don't know how to call, how to make them be quieter or do something differently. This is the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, did you ever see the movie To Sir With Love? No. Oh, oh my God, you have to see that movie. How is it called? To Sir With ah, Love. To Sir With Love, okay. It stars Sydney Poitier. Okay. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that movie, Lydia? Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> Have you seen that movie, Carla? Oh, Carla froze. Um, yeah, it, many times. It's, it's not for a long time, but it's really excellent. It's older. Yeah, it's an older movie. It's, uh, it's from the 60s and um, stars Sidney Poitier. Do you know who he is? Sidney Poitier? Uh, he's one of America's greatest actors uh, of all time. And um, he plays an American man. He's a, a, a black man. And he's, um, he has a job teaching in an inner city high school. Uh, the last year of high school, senior year in uh, London. And it's the time of, you know, the mods and the rebellion and uh, all that stuff. And these kids are um, from very poor neighborhoods and um, they, uh, they're mean to him. They're very mean to him. 
And it's how he handles it. And how he, he transforms the culture in the class to where everybody loves him, really loves him. It's quite beautiful. You will love this movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. You will love this movie. To Sir with Love. Because mm. uh, they, they all call him Sir. Mm. Yeah. Um, and there was a hit song from the movie, too, called To Sir with Love that Lulu sang. And she was a big pop star, you know, in the 60s. So, anyway, um, and she was in the movie, too. She was in that movie. Anyway, um, so this discouragement, what I'm hearing is, well, let's look at the word discourage, discourage, discourage. Um, So courage actually comes from the Latin, correct? Mm -hmm. So, and the word cur, what's it, it, in French, I know it's the word for heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to, to courage is really when we're able to recognize that we feel threatened or we feel afraid, but we're going to move from our heart anyway. Mm-hmm. And so discourage is when we don't have the courage to move from our heart anyway, we're in that place of giving up. Hmm. Right? So in a sense, you could say the opposite of discouragement is to have courage. Hmm. And it's, it's that thing of when we're in our loving heart, then we are so strong. That's the strongest place for us to be. And when we're... Uh, not in our loving heart, then people can just knock us right over. Mm-hmm. Their criticism will knock us over. Their energy will knock us over. Their anger will knock us over. We are just like a, a doll that just falls back, you know, uh, when we aren't in our heart. But when we're in our heart, then we're strong. We're, we're able to stand and not be moved when we're in our heart or we can be moved in a sense of being flexible and so that we have some bend and we have some give they can't blow us over but when we're rigid in the ego they can just knock us over we have no we have no strength we have no ability to really stand or stay so what i'm hearing you say is that discouragement comes when you start taking what's happening out there and reacting to it as though it's uh, certainly it is a reflection of something going on, but it, it's not a reflection that you're a bad teacher. It's your opportunity to be the best teacher Hmm. that you can be. 
And the so, thing I must say, it's really interesting. Uh, the discouragement comes from an ego-based thought because I think I should do what uh, the director tells me to do to control and manipulate them. But the pupils see it totally differently. They've said to me that although they didn't learn so much uh, stuff in my lessons, there was a great feeling of connection between them. They felt very happy with each other. They didn't learn so much stuff, but they really connected to each other. There were a lot of friendships with each other, and so they learned to take things very easily. This was a totally different perspective on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe, yes, it has also to do with uh, expectations. And how does that result feel to you? This result feels great. And I must really say they're absolutely friendly. When they meet me, they greet me in a very friendly way. They're very happy. But there's a feeling, okay, I didn't fulfill the expectations of my job. Mm. This is a very important Okay. Thing. Yes. So that feeling, what, what does that come from? Does that come from... The outside or the inside? From the inside. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is reflected in the outside sometimes. Okay. So is, is, are those opinions or judgments something you'd like to do something about? Or, and what would you do? Would you, are you more interested in changing your mind about it? Or... Are you like, oh, no, I'd like to have different results and change my mind about it, but I'd also like to have different results. This is very difficult to say. I feel, of course, changing my mind about the situation is very important for me. I mean, I've started to change my mind about the whole situation, but I'm still in a very... Um, yes, on the one hand, I know that if I change my mind about the situation, I, I will be at, I'm at peace. For I see that my function as a teacher is something totally different from what I expected it to be. It has nothing to do with making them learn stuff because I'm very critical about the school system which uses, uh, which gives them stuff to learn and uh, is not interested in the people. I'm more this kind of teacher who is interested in the people, but sometimes there's a conflict between me and the system. And this is uh, what I would like to change my mind about. Maybe it has to do with my, yeah, with my interpreting or my perception of the system that it must be in this and this way. Maybe it's important to change the system by changing our minds about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I get uh, more and more colleagues who say to me they think the same way as me, but they uh, don't want to be in trouble if they talk too loud about it. Right. Right. Yeah, so I, what I'm thinking of as you're talking, uh, Lars, is Dr. Hugh Lin. And uh, I have the sense that in his work environment there, he wasn't talking to anybody about it. He was just doing what he was doing, the whole ponopono. Yes, that's what I'm practicing too. Mm-hmm. Violet flame, ho'oponopono, and prayer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
in those moments of confrontation when the students are talking, uh, I know you're saying you're going into prayer, you're inviting the company of heaven to help, you're uh, doing a ho'oponopono, and what about doing something like what I was saying with the babies on the plane? Yeah, this is a great idea. (laughs) This is what I can also use with my kids here at home. Very great idea. (laughs) Yeah, so I just was like, I am peace. I am Mm. peace. Peace, I am. Be still. Peace, be still. And I just kept seeing the ripples Mm. moving out from me. And that as the ripples would touch everybody else on the plane, they would have peace. Mm. And... It really didn't take many seconds, maybe 15, 20 seconds, for the baby to calm down. Mm. But I didn't have in my mind any thought that it would not work. Mm. I had no thought about that. Yeah. It's like... To learn from me, to really have this trust that this works. Yes, and it's about really, it's about this. It's about recognizing we are here to remember this power that we have Mm. and to use it for good and to use it more and more to be a beneficial presence in this world. And Mm. I really think that when we get discouraged, it's because there's an opportunity for us to be a beneficial presence and we're not choosing it. Hmm. We're choosing something else. We're choosing to be critical. We're choosing to take it personally. Hmm. We're choosing to miss the opportunity in some way. And that's why we get discouraged. And, and uh, I know for myself, I've seen the same exact patterns come up so many times. I used to get discouraged too because the meaning that I would make of it is, oh my God, I still am dealing with the same thing. So I I would feel just absolutely like something was wrong with me because I kept having to deal with the same thing again and again and again. And I, I see now, as you've heard me say many times, it wasn't that anything was wrong with me. It was just that I wasn't really committed. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really committed to being the peace. Mm-hmm. So that's, and because that's the only way that our ascension is going to really transpire is for us to be really committed and willing. And the thing is, is I, I really don't think we live in the time anymore where that commitment and that willing requires us to, to live like St. Francis lived or like Jesus lived. Mm-hmm. That's not the time we live in now. And that we are really to demonstrate joyful living. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a wonderful thing we can... And we practice this joyful living in every situation in our life, also in our job. And it really doesn't matter which job we have. In every job, there's an opportunity 
For me, it was a very interesting thing that I discovered. I mean, although I thought I would be a bad teacher, I was even got a promotion some weeks ago. It's really interesting. So there's a totally different yeah, way of perceiving things now. Yeah. Congratulations on your promotion. Yes, this is really the interesting thing. Because although I'm struggling with these beliefs, these limiting beliefs inside myself, and the outside things are shifting. It's really yeah. an interesting way. I mean, yeah. So the that's the thing is the the most powerful thing I know of is when we're willing to ma keep making those loving choices, mm. uh, no matter what, we keep making the willing, loving choices. And, uh, and then one of the most important things I've learned along the way is that we can be, as you've heard me talk about, dysfunctionally compassionate. Mm. So that it seems like we're making loving choices, but we're actually not. We're not at all. We're, um, not being loving to ourselves, we're being a martyr, and we're being a victim, and uh, as though our feelings don't matter, other people's feelings are more important than ours, that uh, we're trying to, it's like the pendulum effect of going from being selfish to non-selfish, and we're non-selfish to such a degree that we're doing a, a harm to ourselves or we're disrespecting ourselves and it, it can actually be kind of manipulating to other people. I've got some people in my life who will sacrifice themselves when no one is asking them to and then they're upset that no one's recognizing their sacrifice. Mm -hmm. That's a pattern. That's, mm -hmm. a, that's a really popular pattern. Uh, and uh, oh, Carlos got that one. Okay, <laughs> we can talk about that. We can talk about that. She added herself. Um, yeah, I saw Lydia's head nod too. Yeah, I, I hey, I used to do that. That was one of the best ways to manipulate people is to uh, be a martyr and you know go out of my way to do things to make them happy and then be pissed off that they weren't happy they weren't grateful and thankful that they didn't owe me they didn't want to owe me why you i oughta so um <laughs> uh what was your promotion there lars yes it has to do with my salary i got a different position which is a little bit higher uh, I don't know. I mean, you as a, as a civil servant, you have a specific title. And when you get to a higher title, then you get more salary. This is my Nice. Promotion. Nice. Excellent. We like that. Yeah. Well done. Yes, this is an interesting thing. I mean, I must say what we've just talked about. I mean, I have really learned to let go of these situations. These situations don't affect me so much as they used to be. Mm -hmm. And it's easier to stay in my loving heart afterwards. It's really easier. But I'm still working, as you've just mentioned, the commitment is uh, maybe important that I'm really committed, more committed to 
doing in this situation, in every situation, being a loving presence and doing and listening to the higher Holy Spirit self, to the voice of the Spirit more and more. This mm -hmm. is maybe it. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yes. Excellent. Great examples. Very helpful. So, Lydia, your experiences of feeling discouraged, would you be willing to share any of that with us? Um, yeah, I was thinking about situations that I, when I'm feeling joyful and happy and in high vibration, <laughs> and mm -hmm. people are saying things or doing things that is not so happy. <laughs> and then I think, okay, but uh, I uh, let them not affect me. You know, I stay high and happy and whatever. But I can take it for a while, maybe minutes or hours or, you know. But at some point, I think, oh, I cannot stand it anymore, you know. I cannot stay in the peace I was in, you know, and then... Mm. And I can think, okay, I'm, I keep calm, I keep calm, I am happy. <laughs> but at some point, I say, I'm not happy, <laughs> I'm angry, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, so then I'm discouraged that I cannot stay in that high vibration or in that happy and the calmness and the peace. So that's my uh, situation that I experience sometimes, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I am then discouraged about not being able to stay in the peace. Mm -hmm. Be indisturbable, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is the perfect um, expression of this word discouraged, that we lose that connection with our loving heart. Yeah. So that instead of, in the face of something that feels threatening, mm -hmm. we, instead of opening our heart more to uh, affect whatever is going on, to make it uh, be brought back to peace by putting it inside our loving heart, in a sense, or uh, broadcasting our loving heart so that it shifts the vibration of everything around us, that it's in what Master Saint Germain would call our magic circle, uh, uh, the circle of our effect, and that because we're anchored in love, it's going to be brought back to balance. We lose that courage, that loving heart, and we go instead into thinking we failed. Mm -hmm. And we can't make it work. So the failure is really an hour becoming uh, disturbed is yes. what I'm hearing you both say. The failures in not what's happening out there, but that we are not able to stay in our loving heart in the face of it. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so in that that discouragement, what, what are some of the thoughts that you have, Lydia? So Lars was saying he feels like he's a bad teacher, he, he, he's not 
these kind these kinds of self condemnation thoughts, self criticism. I think I'm just like kind of sad that it's that I cannot do it. You know, sadness. I think yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Demotivation. <laughs> I will mm-hmm. never be able to. You know, mm-hmm. those thoughts. Mm-hmm. But I also notice that I um, that I can change it. Um, know that that I am able to change it uh, more quickly than I used to do. So that's a positive thing. Yes, it is. That I don't stay so long in that lower vibration. Yep. I notice it and I think, okay, <laughs> I can change my thoughts about it. And That's beautiful. If I'm out of the situation then, you know. Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 Carla, did you relate to this discouragement conversation? I'm in the middle of it. <laughs> You're in the middle of it? I just, I had a bunch of, bunch, bunch of realizations while you're all talking. So what I realized is I, I have like, like I had a moment, like a time now, uh, time yesterday, I don't know, several hours or whatever, when I was like really totally loving and realizing that, I mean, love is all there is, love is the healer, um, love our brothers as ourselves, it's like, I'm like this in this zone where love is love and love, that's it, it's all around love, right? And then... um uh, and then I had experience, and what, I, what I'm saying is, when I notice I'm after I have experiences like that, I'm like, oh, I got it, you know, whatever. I really understand it now, and, and then I have an experience. It's almost like, uh, are you, you know, prove it sort of thing. And and then and this like I'm seeing it happens. It's common, and so I had an experience where. And I, I got mad. I mean, I got totally angry. I was like swearing, and I don't even, I don't tend to get that way. And and um, and I could feel myself going through the whole gamut. That I got embarrassed, and I was wanted to run, and I wanted to not expose myself. I wanted to like start again I mean it's, it's a whole gamut of stuff and so now I'm, what I'm practicing is the love again even in that person yesterday or whatever me they went into that place I'm really um trying to be loving to myself and so and I'm being grateful like I'm thanking them for showing me this part of myself that's still that got so angry and I can learn from that. And so right now, right in this moment, that's why I didn't respond when you asked. 
because I was like feeling it still. And I'm like, I didn't realize that's what it was. But then I started feeling it after you asked. And I realized, I think I'm still in the middle of it, but I'm, I'm like, I'm, in a way, I'm doing that spiritual bypass. It's all good. And I'm like, but then I'm, I'm not trying to do that. But I don't know what I'm doing, you know, call it and support and um, just feeling it. It's good you're feeling it, Carla. It's good. It's not, it's not all fun. But it is all good. And it's, it's good that you're feeling it because when you allow yourself to feel it, then you can learn from it and you don't have to repeat it in the same way. And you know that. So thank and you for feeling it. Everything that I'm hearing is it's all about judgments when we decide something. And I'm just, I'm just, I think the discouragement is how many times I believed myself. Yeah. Yeah. And when you say you believed yourself, you believed yourself that what? I believe about my judgments. I believe about my judgments about them and then about me. I mean, that's the, really the key. I, I think I even mentioned this in a, in a something community call maybe where you read about the madman idea in the, in the course. And it came to me that that I was always focusing on the mad, mad part, you know, the crazy part. But it's not. It's the believing the idea. It's the idea that caused everything and the belief in the idea. And that's what I think, I mean, I guess that's a good thing. Because if I'm healing that, if that seems like that's what's like very core. It is. So I can actually, I can actually be grateful for that. Yeah. Right now. But then I use it to pull me out of the, the feelings and that's where I'm not, I'm not sure that that's helping. Mm-hmm. Because mm -hmm. cause that, that what I've got from the training is like, don't believe your thoughts. And so I go, oh, that's not true. But then I'm not feeling it somehow. Whatever it is, I'm, I'm, I'm avoiding something, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, there's, Carla, there's a process that we're all in of disconnecting from the ego. 
and re-identifying with the higher self. We're in that process of re-identification, shifting identification. And there is in that journey, and we all experience it, there's, uh, there are times when we feel lost. There are times when we feel lost because we're not sure of our identity. We're not sure where we are. Uh, the territory, the landscape is unfamiliar. Because the way the ego knows who, how it is and what it is, is through the judgments and the opinions. That's how the ego knows who it is, or what it is, or that it exists. It has that sense of existence. It's false, of course, but the ego has a false sense of existence. I judge, therefore I am. That's the ego. And the spirit is, I am, therefore I am. I am that I am. And so there's a, a journey that we make and we transition from this one way of viewing things uh, to the new way. And um, when we're not entirely one or the other, it, it can be, it, it's very disorienting. And I think when you spoke that word community, it was like, hmm, it was, the words that come to my mind is like a dagger in my heart, but that's, that's not true either. Um, I'm not going to believe that, but it's painful still. It's still, and it's, and what is it painful? It's not the words that are painful. It's my judgment about the words that are painful. That's, and that judgment that I'm not that, that is what is painful. You're not committed? Yeah, the belief that that's, that, Yes, I mean, I guess. You see, because that's one of the ego games is to judge our level of commitment. And part of the way we assert our commitment is not to entertain judgments and assessments of our commitment. See there, this is a perfect example, okay? This is a great example of how I believe my thinking, you know? This mm -hmm. is, this is a very core of, of what, of everything it seems like to me, is it, it's our belief, right? Because that's what makes it, that's what gives it kind of, because we give it the power of, of us. Right? You give the belief the power it has. It's, it's, and then we're doing that. And, and when I do that and I'm doing that, it's really, 
it's really difficult to believe to to not do that to shift that pattern of behavior that I've had for so long. I, I don't often forget in the middle of it. Really, even Lars, when you're saying at the time the students are doing stuff, I'm like, wow, that's, that's amazing. That's like a great accomplishment. That's excellent, you know, be able to do that in the moment. Whether yes. you're doing it fully or not, that's that's the crack in the that the little willingness. That's all that's required. Is it um, just to be willing? And that's what that's an indication of. Mhm. Mm mhm. And for all of us, it's so important in terms, especially in terms of this discouragement and the commitment is when that experience of discouragement comes, that repeating endless pattern, not endless, oh, I'm going to cancel that thought, the repeating seemingly endless pattern, that it's the seeming endlessness of it that feels like it's discouraging. But what it really is, is our belief that it's endless. That is what is discouraging, right? It's our interpretation that we don't have what it takes, that we're doing something wrong. Therein lies our discouragement. And it's just like, particularly yours is such a great example, Lars, if you had a student who was challenged by some activity that you gave them to do, and you stood over them and said, well, you're not doing this fully. You could be doing this better. And, and look, the, there are these holes in your work that you haven't even addressed. And, uh, and uh, there's, uh, uh, in these holes, stuff is coming through that's not good. And that's your fault because you're not doing a good job. Uh, what kind of a teacher would you be? if you did that to a student? Yeah. Very horrible teacher. <laughs> I must say, I normally never do that. Yeah, yeah, why would you do that? Because it's not gonna get you the results you'd like, right? Hmm. So what would you like the results to be? You'd like to lift the student up, encourage Absolutely. them. And what else? You mean apart from lifting them up? Yeah, in addition to, to lifting them up, you'd like them to know that they have the ability. That, they have the ability, they have the power that they are totally perfect just the way they are. That they're, they're learning, they don't have to know it already, they're in the process of learning, and this experience is the perfect environment for them to learn in. Nothing bad is happening, everything is working together for their good, and that you, you're loving them and supporting them, and uh, that it's all uh, heading in a great direction. They mm. cannot fail. Absolutely. Yeah, 
Everything is perfect just the way he is. This is very important. I mean, the more I think about it, the more I think I'm not so much interested in uh, teaching them the stuff they have to learn. I'm more interested in the connection, in the people, in the love that is there in this situation. It's much more important than that they learn 10 words more or so. Right, right. So I'm sure you already do this to, to have this intention, this very strong intention around teaching them how to be loving to themselves and each other while they're learning Latin. Mm. And that the Holy Spirit is providing the, the classwork and the perfect coursework for mm. everyone. So what if, in the moments of your discouragement, you were able to speak to yourself the way you would speak to a student who was discouraged? Yeah. I practice it often, okay. but not, not always. But it's a good way to say, after, I mean, the lesson is over, I say to myself, okay, everything was perfect. Uh, you are centered on love, you, have, you were at peace, and it really doesn't matter so much that they, uh, don't learn, they haven't learned these words or these exercises. The most important thing is that they feel good. This is what I'm talking afterwards to myself, and this has helped me a lot. But it's, yes. I'm not always in the situation. This is the way, but afterwards. Yes. So... I'm going to invite everyone, because this applies to us all. Uh, your, your example is um, so clear. It's easy for us to all envision ourselves in your situation. And so um, I'm also thinking of a couple of other movies. I don't want to forget. There's a couple of other movies, that American movies. And... Um, uh, at the end, I'll pause, remind me, at the end, I'll stop the recording and then I'll just tell you what they are, uh, like teacher movies. Or, mm. you know, maybe we could all brainstorm about it. But uh, there's a lot of movies about that theme in, uh, in America. And they're good movies. They're really good movies. Or, and I'll just invite everyone who's uh, American who's seen those movies, who can just email Lars or... Maybe we could start a thread in the, our Facebook group. I'll do that. We can start a thread in the Facebook group. Um, but I'm going to invite everyone. Let's do a, a meditation right here and now about this discouragement. So I'm going to invite everyone to turn within. And we're calling upon the higher Holy Spirit self, the mighty I am that I am, to lead us and guide us in this meditation. We're opening ourselves to the highest possibility of love right now. We're willing to see things clearly. We're willing to know clearly and feel clearly and hear clearly and see clearly. And so I invite you to Allow your mind to travel to that place 
where the discouragement happened. So we're going there with the higher Holy Spirit self, with the company of heaven, with the angels, where moving in time and space back to a time when we felt discouraged. Feeling a bit helpless and a bit hopeless. Feeling threatened. Feeling that familiar pattern of not knowing enough, not being enough. Going back to this moment in our lives when the feeling of not enoughness was very strong. And noticing all that's that's going on around. Noticing how you're feeling, noticing what the situations, the situation entails. Noticing, does it feel familiar? Does it feel repetitive? Allowing ourselves to just be in touch with the judgments that are coming up for healing. The self-criticism, self-condemnation. Noticing the thoughts that are all about lack. And now bringing our attention to this feeling of discouragement. Feeling of fear. Just noticing what it's about and how familiar it is. Noticing any thoughts of blame, any energy or desire to attack.
And now in this space of remembrance, remembering the fear and the blame, the self-attack, the attack of others, we're opening to the higher Holy Spirit self. to hear divine guidance, wisdom, and insight. That even though this experience seems to be in the past, there really is no past. So here in our mind, right now, we are healing the past. So looking at this situation and how it began, we're looking for the moments when we can make a new choice, where we can stop this pain train from coming by making a different choice. So reviewing what happened, we're looking for the opportunity to avert getting on the pain train. We invite the Holy Spirit to point it out to us so we can clearly see where our opportunity to avert getting on the pain train is. And seeing that moment What are the choices that we can make in that moment? Having it over again. Going there in our mind now to make that new choice. What is the new choice? What is the new choice? What is that new choice to avert getting on the pain train and re-experiencing the same old experience. And once we see this choice, are we willing to make the new choice? Are we willing to decide to do it differently? And if you are willing to do it differently, see yourself making that new choice, seeing, feeling, hearing, observing what unfolds with the new choice. What is the new outcome given the new choice? See it fully unfold before you.
See the ripples flow out from your new choice. Feel the discouragement dissolve. Feel your heart more empowered, stronger, more resilient, more radiant, more beautiful. And we call to the company of heaven, the higher Holy Spirit self, the mighty I am presence, to shift everything in all directions of time and space to make it so, to make our loving choice, the choice in our permanent record. So that everything that is affected by that choice now is a higher vibration. Now the loving choice has been made. We see the ripples of the loving choice making themselves known in our lives. We're allowing ourselves to accept the shifts and the changes because we have gone back in time and made a new choice. And so we give thanks. We give thanks to consciously surrender and heal the patterns of discouragement for all beings. We are grateful and thankful to offer up our experiences in humility so that all are blessed, all are healed, all wake up to remember our true selves and discouragement falls away. Patterns of self-attack, blame, and shame resolve and dissolve permanently back to the root cause so that we never experience them again. We're truly grateful and truly thankful to allow ourselves this gift of healing now.
In gratitude, we know it's done. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. So I, I muted everyone just for the time that we were doing the meditation. And uh, what I can say is I've learned that I can go back in time and I can have a, a different experience and a different outcome. And that uh, the company of heaven, the angels, the Holy Spirit, they can uh, ripple it out through time and space. And it's really as though. Uh, a different choice was made originally, and the the record of the old choice is dissolved. But we have this power, and uh, we can recognize it and use it for dissolving these patterns, such as this pattern of discouragement. Uh, I wonder if anybody would like to share anything that they got from the meditation. And welcome, Lawrence. So you have to unmute yourself. Um, what, what I got was, it actually goes back to when I was like, uh, an experience yeah. I had when I was like four. Mm. And, uh, and so what came up for me is that I felt like I didn't have the ability to choose it even and so I went back with my older self went back and chose for me and chose the love as love and it wasn't love for the situation and for the other person it was love for myself for what I was involved in so that was my experience that's beautiful that is beautiful. Yeah, thank you, Carla. That, that's a really core time. I think that's when I remember this all starting, all this real block, the real fear and not the real, it's not real, but when it was powerful and that was bad and wrong. That was it. And it was probably before then, probably prior lives, but that's in this life, that's when I really remember. And I thought I healed that. I've healed, I've gone back many, many, many times. Um, but that just, uh, it's just that I want that younger self to choose. And I just decided that wanting that wasn't helping. And so I, I can choose now because now is all there is, right? right? And so that's what I did. I went back to the now me and went back and, and chose. I, mean, I don't know if I chose the whole situation, but my my personal supporting myself and what I was seeing to go through. 
because I don't think I could do that when I was four. <laughs> no. But I can do it now. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And what I would encourage you to do after the class, Carla, is to have a conversation with your four-year-old self and let her know that you are you're looking out for her, you're helping her, and that those choices and things that happened, that they're not happening anymore. And you're, you're doing what needs to be done to relieve all the consequences. Mm-hmm. I just had a, a session with, on Tuesday with my, my chaplain, and mm -hmm. this is exactly what we did. Exactly. It's so, so amazing. It's the theme of the week. It's just everything comes together when mm -hmm. someone's ready to be healed. Everything, mm -hmm. everything aligns for that healing. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm yeah, it does. Here's proof. Thank you. Lawrence, did you want to share something? Um, <coughs> uh, yeah, I came, I came in in the, in the middle of that, but Mm -hmm. I immediately went back to the moment when I felt when I when I first felt the feeling of um, powerlessness to deal with the uh, with taking care of this house when it, it was when <coughs> it was when Rick was having chemotherapy and he was really really sick and uh, he, he was just unable to to help at all and uh, and it, uh, we had a we had a plumbing a plumbing crisis this was six years ago and that I had to make a decision myself about what to do about the it, it was a, it was a real crisis and I remembered that my immediate feeling was that I was, I blamed it. I blamed it all on him and I blamed him for not being able to, to, to do it, to make, to, to do it for me or to even help me. I, I was very angry with him for, for being sick 
for having gotten sick and and for leaving me with responsibilities that I couldn't, that I didn't feel capable of handling. And I went back to that moment and I let the blame go. And I let myself feel only love for him. And it's the feeling cleared it it cleared mm-hmm. yeah light light came in mm-hmm. yeah. there was a, a great feeling of of release mhm mhm and today the uh Yesterday, actually, now now is yesterday. Uh, the 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 whole plummet, the present, the current plumbing crisis, which has been going on for five weeks, finally turned around, and uh, we got a new plumber, and the old plumber finally admitted that he could not do the that he didn't want to do the job and he offered to refund the money and uh and we found a new a new plumber and he's going to take care of it next week so that whole thing is turned around mhm And last night I had a dream that I was I was down in the cellar and the, I was trying to, it was very dark because the fuse had blown and I was trying to find the fuse box and trip, trip the switch back on. And, uh, and I found it and I tripped it back on and the lights came back on and this morning, my friend from uh, my friend from Portland is uh, visiting, and she told me that uh, the the lights weren't working. And uh, I went down into the cellar, and there was a trip switch. <laughs> so I flipped it back on, and now the lights are working. <laughs> Wow. Hmm. Sounds like Rick is helping you in your dreams. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lawrence. Lydia, do you want to share anything? Would you like to?
Um, yeah, maybe um, at some point in the meditation you ask what we could do also to change it, situation. Uh-huh. And it what came up was not new to me, but um, that I had to speak up in those situations. I was mm-hmm. thinking that I also like in the past. I also thought that, but I'm always thinking that I, at that moment, that I don't find the right words. Mm-hmm something so I don't say anything and that makes it worse and worse and worse so yeah maybe I have to practice <laughs> to say things and I think I have to say them mm, not being so fearful or so to what mm-hmm. I'm going to say mm-hmm. so That was what came up for me. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in those moments when uh, you're feeling that, you can say, okay, I'm willing. What do I say? Mm-hmm. So that the spirit is guiding you what to say. Just be willing to speak. You don't have to figure out what to say. Just be willing to speak. Okay. Yeah, I can try that. <laughs> Next yeah. Time. yeah. I use that a lot of times when I can feel, okay, it's time for me to say something here. And I might feel reluctant or reticent. And I'll say, okay, I'm, but I'm willing. I'm willing. Just tell me what to say. Okay. Yep. And it's amazing. It works every time. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you. Lars, anything you'd like to share? Yes, a situation in my uncle's house came up. I was 14 or 15 and I was quite good at school. And my cousin was not so good at school. And my uncle told me, okay... You might be good at school at the moment, but when you are in a job, you will not be good for your character is not good. To, you are not, have not a good character to be an effective, <laughs> or to be effective at a job or something like that. And this was a feeling I felt very frustrated and yeah, depressed afterwards for I thought, okay, I can do whatever I, it's in my power, but I will not be able to, um, find a good job or be effective in my job for it was a feeling of being not enough no, not good enough to be in a good workplace or something like that and I yes the situation came up and now I responded with love without uh, saying to myself okay he's right he's absolutely right I'm not good at it but more seeing it more as a cry for love and enveloping him in a cloud of love and saying to him, I love you just the way you are. It really doesn't matter what you say to me. We are all connected as a cry for love and I will give you love for this, just the way you are. And I felt relieved afterwards. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. How does that feel to you now? Yeah, very, 
yeah, wonderful time, I must say, because it's really a relief to know it doesn't matter what other people tell me. It has nothing to do with who I really am. These things are their projection and it's perfect. They have the right to have their projection, but I needn't, uh, I needn't think that their projection are true. This is Your important. opinions are none of my business. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so for all of us, we remember the prayer on page 90 of the text of Course Miracles at the end of chapter 5, very end of chapter 5, where it says, uh, I must have chosen wrongly because I'm not at peace. I was the one who decided. Uh, and so because I'm the decider, I can decide now to give it to the Holy Spirit for healing. And I, I want to decide because I want to be at peace. And I will let the Holy Spirit undo all the consequences of my wrong decision. You know, the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I let him. And I choose to let him because I'd like to be at peace. And so uh, it's so true that the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of our wrong decision if we let him. We don't have to recognize or cognize what the memory is, what the experience is. But when we do have an active memory of some unpleasant thing, where we felt pained, discouraged, whatever it was that's not happy-making, we can go back to it in our mind to that point. And the Course in Miracles talks about this in many places. Take your mind back to that point and make a new decision. Because time and space are not real, but our decisions seem real to us because we're weaving our experience with our decisions. And the Holy, Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of our wrong decision if we let him. So when you can see there's some experience that plays in your memory as being painful, you feel guilty, you feel shame, you feel regret, you feel resentment, those experiences will repeat either mentally or in your physical world in order that you will make a new decision. But you don't have to repeat. You can just right now give it to the Holy Spirit. Every time you think of one, give it to the Holy Spirit for healing. And I've, I've learned the value of going back in time and making a new decision. And then I see mentally that new decision ripple out through all the subsequent uh, experiences and the difference that it makes. So I invite you to really practice that. And that brings us to our time. So I'm going to... Close us out with a prayer unless somebody has a final thought. All right. And uh, so next week you have a community call. And then the week after that we have a class. Uh, and, uh, yep. 
And at the end here, I'll, I'll, if you stay on, Lars, anybody else wants to stay on too after I stop the recording and we'll think of uh, some movies about teaching. So let's take this breath of love and gratitude, so grateful and so thankful for the love of God that is our very nature. It is our gift from God that we are the love of God now and forever. And this love that we are is unbreakable, it's unhurtable, it's undamageable, it's undiminishable. We are grateful and thankful to claim our true identity as love and light. So grateful to join together now to remember our true nature and our true identity is already as perfect as perfect can be. So grateful to consciously surrender to the Holy Spirit for healing any and all memories and beliefs, records, causes, or cores that seem to be in any way harmful, negative, dysfunctional. We're giving it all to the Holy Spirit for healing. We are willing to have a healing in all dimensions of time and space, share the benefits with everyone. And so we're grateful to allow the healing to be, to allow it, to allow it, to allow it. We're calling it forth and we're letting it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. All right. I'm ending the recording so you can stay on, but I love you. Bye.